0: I want to tell you about where Antioch Khosrow, a city that was built by the Iranian king the I in 540 CE. You might have heard of a thing called a spite fence, a fence put up by someone just to piss off a neighbour, right? Maybe they've just renovated, put on a second story uh, to get a nice view of the surrounds. So you respond by building a massive five-metre fence just inside your property line to block their view. Spite fences are common in... Petty disputes between neighbours. There are even spite houses. There are some famous spite houses in cities like Boston and New York in the US. Uh, the skinny house in Boston, not even three metres wide. Apparently it was built after a property dispute between brothers in the in the mid-19th century. But never mind spite fences and spite houses, because old mate the I, he went further than anyone else has before or since and built an entire spite city. And he named it where Antioch Cosro, which translates as, better than Antioch, Cosro built this. Cosro was crowned as the Shah and Shah of the Sassanid Empire, or the King of Kings of Iran in 531 CE. Uh, He wasn't even 20 at uh, at this stage, a very young bloke when he took charge. Uh, the, the, The Sassanid Empire was an expansive and powerful empire. At its peak, it spanned from modern-day Turkey all the way across to Pakistan and, and Western India. And now this young bloke, Khosrow, he's in charge. And one of the first things that he did after taking the throne was make peace with the neighbouring Byzantine Empire. The Byzantines and the Sassanids had been fighting. Uh, the Byzantine Emperor Justinian I had been fighting against Khosrow's dad, uh, Kavad I. Uh, but he sued for peace. Justinian and, uh, and Khosrow accepted. But because the Sassanids were kicking the Byzantines' asses up and down, peace came at a steep cost for Justinian. One of the conditions was that the Byzantines pay the Sassanids 5,000 kilograms of gold. For reference in today's terms, that is 321 million US dollars, quite a bill to hand over at the end of a war, but Justinian agreed, and thankfully, Cosro didn't build a spite fence after this between the two realms. Uh, in 532, Justinian and Cosro signed the very optimistically named Treaty of Eternal Peace, which proved in time to be, well, certainly. Not that. Anyway, in the meantime, Cosro, right, he doesn't have to worry about fighting this war anymore, so he goes about consolidating his position as king. A couple of dissidents chucked in prison here, a couple of conspirators executed there. These conspirators, I probably should mention, were his own brothers and his uncle, so very cutthroat business being a king. Anyway, even with all of this, right, Cosro proved to be a terrific king, absolutely brilliant, clever, wise, went about reforming and modernising his realm. Great job, Kozro, reorganising the military, reforming the tax system, centralising his government's power. On your cosro old son, you're doing a great job. Before long, however, Kosro, he's, he's sick of bloody stability and consolidation, all that boring stuff. No, mate, he wants to get stuck back in. He's hungry for warfare once again. He wants to feed those bloody Byzantines their own teeth, give them another hiding, and um, on top of that... It's uh, it's not just him wanting to do it. Byzantine's Ostrogothic enemies from the west have travelled all the way to the Sassanid Empire just to try to talk Cosro into fighting with Justinian again to make their efforts fighting against the Byzantines a bit easier because now the Byzantines are fighting on two fronts. And Cosro, happy enough to oblige, he looks around for a pretext to use to go to war with the Byzantines. And he settles on the fact that a Byzantine client state, the Gassanids, they keep raiding Sassanid lands and nicking Sassanid stuff. So Cosro, he goes to Justinian and he says, Listen here, mate, those Gassanid clowns, they're hassling my people, they're looting my riches, get them in line, get me my money back, or there will be trouble. And Justinian goes, Mate, blow it out your ass. I'm busy with these Ostrogoths. We both signed the Treaty of Eternal Peace. Eternal, mate. That means forever. You can't do anything about this. And Cosro says... Au contraire, my friend. And with the encouragement of the Ostrogoths, they're bloody on the sidelines, yelling like high school kids, buddy, get him, Cosro, get stuck in. Cosro decides that eternal, in the sense of eternal peace, actually means about eight years. And so he invades. The Sassanids march into the Byzantine-held Syria. They march right past all the Byzantine fortresses to the city of Sura, which they captured and sacked before moving on to the next city, Hierapolis. There, the citizens of the Hierapolis, seeing Kosro approaching with this massive army, they have a quick rip around. They manage to scrape together about half a tonne of silver, which is approximately 400,000 US dollars in today's terms, in case you're wondering. And they offer this silver to Kosro in order for him to not attack the town. And Kosro goes, well, geez, that was a freebie. He takes the silver. He moves on, this time to the city of Baroia. Now, I'm not sure if he even gave Baroia a chance to pay him off, uh, to be honest. But look, doesn't matter whether he did or he didn't. Baroia was raised to the ground, just like Syrah was. But Crossroads not finished yet. Oh, no. By now, the Byzantines, they're coming to him. They're offering uh, another half a ton of gold this time, not silver. If only he'll turn around, call off the invasion altogether and head home. And Crossroads goes, mate, you know what? That's a fair price. You get the gold together. I'll piss off back home and we're all happy. Well, we're probably not all happy because I've raised a couple of your cities and you're out half a ton of gold, but you know what I mean. But the problem was, by the time Cosro arrived at the famous city of Antioch, this promised gold from the Byzantines is nowhere to be seen. So Cosro goes, mate, look, if you guys want to have a quick Look between the couch cushions there, see if you've got half a ton of gold laying about somewhere. That's fine. But in the meantime, I'm I'm getting stuck in Antioch. And so he attacked and, surprise, surprise, raised the city to the ground. He looted everything that wasn't nailed down and absolutely obliterated everything else, left nothing behind, not even the city's population. Now, he didn't kill the people living in Antioch. Oh, no, he took them all prisoner and he sent them packing as prisoners, to the Sassanid Empire, and we'll come back to them in just a little bit. By now, with another city down, the Byzantines are panicking. Justinian I, he raised his offer to two and a half tons of gold for Cosro to turn around and go home. And again, Cosro accepts. He says, mate, look, as soon as I see the colour of your money, I'm pissing off back home. Don't even worry about it. But in the meantime, look, I would would bloody love to visit another city. I'd love to go and visit the city of Apamia. But this time, just as a tourist, not as a conquering king, don't worry about it. He visited Apamia uh, on the invitation of the Byzantines who were scrambling to get this money together. And there, <laughs> just to add insult to injury, he watched Justinian's chariot racing team lose to their rivals, really rubbing it in, and then extorted more money out of more Byzantine cities before Justinian finally withdrew his offer of gold and the Lazic War, as it became known, got underway properly. But we're not here to talk about that. There was years of fighting between the Byzantines and the Sassanids after this, but that, that's, that's another story. Let's go back now to all of those people that had been captured in Antioch and sent back to Iran, back to the Sassanid Empire. They were sent to a spot near the Sassanid capital of Tessafon on the banks of the Tigris River. And there they were joined by other prisoners from the other cities that Khosrow had sacked, Sura, Beroea, and plenty more later on. And what they were made to do there was absolutely ridiculous. Using the knowledge that they had of their own city, of its layout and buildings and architecture, Cosro had the former inhabitants of Antioch build a brand new Antioch from scratch in the image of the one that he had destroyed. The city apparently was designed to be as identical as possible to the one that had been sacked, right down to the Roman baths, the circus, the hippodrome, and best of all, Cosro had this city built, right, as 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 a new and improved version of the old one, with the explicit intention of tempting all of these displaced people to stay in it. So the city would truly live up to the name that he gave it, that name, as I said, where antioch Cosro, better than Antioch, Cosro built this. Just so everyone would know who built Antioch 2.0, the all-new, all-singing, all-dancing Antioch, bigger and better than... Well, actually, no, not bigger, exactly the same size, right? That was the whole point, but newer and brighter and cleaner than ever before. Iranian historians claim that 300,000 people lived in where Antioch Cosro. probably an exaggeration, it was probably close to around 30,000, but still, hey, what a thing to pull off. Talk about rubbing it in Justinian's face. Oh, hey, mate, sorry I burnt down your city. Thanks for the gold. By the way, if you ever if you ever get any complaints about people missing Antioch, don't worry, I built a better one out east over there, mate. Don't worry about it. So the next time your neighbour is pissing you off with a high fence and a bad attitude, just be glad you don't live next door to Cosro I of the Sassanid Empire who will not only extort you for money before plundering and burning down your house, he will also then build an exact replica of it next door just to spite you.